welcome to How to Start Up, a podcast for anyone starting a company. This is a collection of conversations with people who have all successfully started, run and even sold their own companies, sharing not only professional but personal experiences on what we should be doing now, next or never. Today we're joined by Wiz Selvi, founder and CEO of luxury brand and retail consultancy, Wiz Co. As a former head of beauty at Selfridges and director of Cowshed Beauty in Soho Home, Wiz has accumulated an extraordinary understanding of the luxury retail landscape from her 15 years in industry. Through Wiz & Co now, she shares with clients what works and what does not when scaling luxury direct-to-consumer brands and what to consider when planning omni-channel retail strategies. Wiz kindly offers insights into the importance of placing your customer at the centre of all your business decisions and also what to consider when devising a clear retail strategy. Hi Wiz, thank you so much for joining How to Start Up today. It's great to have you. It would be wonderful if you could start with a brief introduction as to who you are, the company you started, and also when you started it, if possible. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. My name is Wiz Selvi. Um, I'm the founder of a brand and retail strategy agency called Wiz & Co. We started in 2018, but actually in 2020, we had kind of a big pivot and a rebrand to kind of the business that you see today as Wiz & Co. And we help a variety of brands from global brands and retailers and investors kind of help to navigate the rapidly changing retail environment. So helping business leaders to scale and stand out. Incredible. That sounds exactly what so many people I know starting brands need, because I think they could be a skincare expert or a product developer and be brilliant at that, but then they just don't know how to land retail. So what was it you did first when you started your company? Yeah, I, the biggest thing I did was sort of reach out to my network and start chatting to people and just seeing what interested them about what I'd done previously. I worked at Selfridges for 12 years, which was amazing. And I was head of beauty buying. So I had a lot of connections in the industry, which was fantastic. So I kind of just got out there and started talking to people. And actually, then somebody kind of pitched, pitched to me, would you like to do some consultancy work, which was quite interesting. So yeah, the guy that, that ran Dermalogica in the UK said, hey, we'd really love some help. What do you think? So it kind of evolved from there, really, which was quite interesting. But yeah, I think always maximise the network you've got. And as I've evolved the business, it's really talking to people and understanding what people want and what support they need has, I suppose, really helped hone what I do. That's amazing. So was it a case of you left full-time employment and then decided to go out on your own and start this? Or was it sort of a natural evolution of things were coming to you and you decided actually that's where your gut feeling was telling you to go? Yeah, I actually finished working at a brand. I was made redundant. And then I was just, I suppose, very open to what was next. And I was looking potentially for full-time employment, but also just networking with people and kind of projects came up and actually working out what I really enjoyed doing. And I suppose what I was good at and how I could really help people. And having worked in buying before, I suppose I always see buying as kind of a bit of a heartbeat of the store because they're setting the strategy of, of the product innovation that's coming in and kind of what is it the customer wants and trend forecasting and ultimately trading the business as well. So very commercial. So I was working with lots of different brands at the time and I really enjoyed that part of working with multiple different brands. And I can very quickly see avenues for growth when I'm talking to anyone from a founder to kind of a big corporate leader really. So kind of identified that actually, yeah, that was my sweet spot. And that was the experience that I had. And that was something that also people needed because I'd also then gone and worked at a brand. And I found that 
quite hard because you ultimately have to be immersed in the business if you're just working with one brand. So it can be very hard to keep up to date with what's happening in the rest of the industry and understand what other people are doing and why it's working and what should be adapted for your business. So ultimately, that's where I go in and advise people and businesses now. Is there any advice you give someone about how to approach people for that advice? Yeah, I think it's surrounding yourself with networks of people who are also entrepreneurs. I think this is a big challenge as you step into that space. A lot of your friends may be in full-time employment. You're suddenly on a completely different journey to them. So it is about creating a new network of people from going to, I used to go to a lot of events that I had no idea who was there or what they were about. I kind of used to just search on Eventbrite and meet up and rock up at some and just chat to random people because I thought I need to be doing this. You never regret a conversation. I think even if it's somebody at a bus stop, you always learn something, don't you? And given that you focus on brands, is there any sort of top tips or tricks that you could offer new founders? If if someone's about to take the plunge, is there anything that you'd advise them to do first other than obviously reach out to their network? Yeah, I really identify your market, who your potential customer or client is, and then how you connect with them (laughs) and what your messaging is. I see a lot of people and it's it's (laughs) easier than ever to start a business and and lots of people are doing it. This is something I help a lot of people on a one-to-one basis with is whether it's a huge, huge brand that's, that's been around for a long time, but there's all of these other brands popping up around them and they're losing market share, or it's a brand that's been trading a couple of years and they've launched their business. They thought they had a gap in the market. What they've realized is they've started to become a bit unstuck, a bit unsure about this because there's so many other more brands around there. They've learned a lot more about the industry. What is their USP? What is their point of difference? And how how are they communicating that to people? I mean, I do a lot in, in the beauty space, but there's a thousands and thousands, probably tens of thousands of natural, vegan, sustainable <laughs> skincare brands out there. And that's not a USP. Not anymore, no. It's a yeah. category. And people have seen people like Drunk Elephant and their huge success, but that was also a timing thing as well. So there's a number of different factors about defining that USP. There's the timing, there's where's the market going and what the consumer trends are. And I talk a lot about consumer trends to my audience and kind of help them navigate that because ultimately that's where people find that gap in the market. And how do you very succinctly I suppose, summarize what you're doing for customers in an emotive way, because people buy from people and just putting another brand out there doesn't mean it's going to sell. So it's how do you refine that USP so people understand it quickly when we're bombarded with a sea of information. And choice as well, as you mentioned, yeah. it's, and also with the huge, huge buy into shopping online now, even more through the pandemic, people can shop from any market in any part of the world. The choice is even larger. So that cut through is just so important. And I mean, a lot of people talk about, well, we need to get our brand name right and our packaging right. But I know that obviously going into retail is is hugely important for that brand awareness piece. Um, So given that you are a startup well, not a startup, you're four years in, but would you still consider yourself a startup was my first question. But given that you are four years in, what does success look like for you? Yeah, I, I think I am always, might always be a startup, really. I think it's a constant learning curve. So and something's new is happening all of the time and I'm constantly evolving. So yeah, I suppose it's not an initial startup, but yeah, I still feel like it's it's early days and I'm still identifying how to evolve my business and how to help more people, really. But I suppose what does success look like? It's how can I support 
support more business leaders kind of navigate this changing retail space. And that's everything from retailers to the direct to consumer channels as well, but also that customer behavior as well, because adapting to that uh, and looking forward is really going to future proof people's businesses. I can quickly see avenues for growth for, for a lot of brands. That said, all of that is balancing it with, I suppose, my own energy for my own creative inspiration as well, because the lines blur between <laughs> business yeah. and personal when you have your own business completely. You have to start creating quite, I suppose, strict boundaries with yourself. But you also need to put your face and your name to yeah. your business as well. And that's quite hard. I've always been able to hide behind the big brands I've worked for. But now I had a business coach that you you need to do your own PR. And there's irony in that. And I was like, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and it's tough, you know. How do you how do you define those boundaries? How have you learned to manage that? By going rock bottom. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I really hit rock bottom with burnout, which is quite hard when you're addicted to work because you, you have to work. We need money. So yeah, it's and I loved my I loved my job. I love my business. I love my industry. But I was kind of using this as an excuse to, I suppose, not focus on the other personal it's stuff easily done. that needed to change or evolve. Yeah, I, yeah or, or, or I need to look at. So, I mean, it's been a yeah, a lot of inner work, actually, putting a lot of boundaries in place. Yeah. And not feeling yeah. the guilt. I find someone else mentioned the laptop guilt. You're, you're better off going for a walk and thinking things through than sitting at your laptop and trying to solve something. But for me, given that I don't have kids and I, I could just keep working, it becomes addictive, as you mentioned. And it's trying to carve out those times to go for a walk or read a book or do some sport or other things and find other things that are joyous in your life that are not quite as, sat or as satisfying as work. But what? how did you cope with burnout? Because that's a horrific thing to go through. How have you managed to bounce back from that? Invested in a coach and kind of a network and started to really understand myself, sit with myself, go through a lot of personal stuff, really, that I suppose I've ignored for, for my whole life. Yeah. And then I suppose I've turned into a bit of a hippie, to be honest. I like to call myself a business hippie now. But yeah, I do a lot of yoga, meditation. I've got really into tapping. So EFT, which is a really quick and great way to transform your mood, your energy, your perspective. That's tough. <laughs> which is which is amazing. So yeah, I think it's learning a lot of different tools, creating boundaries for myself and very, I don't think obvious is the word, but <laughs> I suppose things like not having my emails on my phone, putting time caps on my apps. But yeah, ultimately it's that inner work that I've done really yeah. and understanding my own energy, what what gives me energy and what doesn't, what drains my energy. And that is also very linked to how I do yeah. business. And when you're self-employed, it's so important because ultimately, if you are going to work this hard, it may as well be on projects that you really, really are passionate about and yeah. not have to do the bits you don't want to have to do if you work for somebody else. But it's, it's I mean, that, that blind spot at the moment of trying to work out what that is. So that's really reassuring to hear that it's possible. And you mentioned you'd invested in a coach, but are there other people you listen to for advice now? My partner's been really integral to helping grow my business. But actually, as I've kind of evolved, it's I've just taken on another coach actually as well, kind of, I suppose, a different aspect. I think there's so much information out there as well. And there is lots of free information, which is great. But I sometimes think if you listen to too many different people, it can be quite challenging. You can get quite confused. I'm very creative and commercial, but having a very creative mind, I'm kind of thinking about new things all the time. So it's it's how do I rein those in? And if I listen to too much advice from different types of people, it can be quite challenging. So now I'm thinking about, okay, this is the person that I'm invested in working with, and this is who I'm going to listen to and I suppose surround myself with their information, which is someone that's been there and done that. And I suppose is 
where I want to be in the next year or two. I think it's about choosing some people that you admire, you look up to and focusing on yeah. on their content and what they're pushing out. And what would you say is the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself since becoming your own boss? Uh, how everything's linked to your own self-belief and self-worth. If you're having a good day, everything goes well. But if you're not, if you wake up and you're feeling in a bit of a funk and yeah, it's, it then that reflects on your whole day. So I think you're better off having a morning routine to make yourself feel good before you just get up and sit at your desk. Oh, that's so important, isn't it? It's just those golden hours when you, if you can get up early and do those things that looking after your personal self before your professional self, it just sets you up for the rest of the day and you can almost be smug about it because you won (laughs) and everything is easier. And for you, is that obviously meditation is important. Are there any other things that you found really help you in that morning routine? Yeah, and I'm not a morning person at all. So I often often wake up with a fuzzy head anyway. So I think it's a balance of when to set an alarm and when not to. And I think movement is is really key, even if it's kind of 15 minutes. I started doing a bit of Qigong, which is kind Mm. of an Eastern meditative movement. And it's just 15 minutes in the morning. But actually, that kind of really helps you calm your brain that starts racing as soon as I get up but also kind of gets that movement and blood flowing through your body so yeah or sometimes it's breath work and also time away from a screen given that we're so addicted to screens and it's it feeds and especially post-pandemic and this is a season that we wanted to talk to people that have really changed their businesses or even started their businesses since the pandemic started and zoom wonderful enables a lot it's enabled me to work work remotely but I find that my eyesight's gone because I'm always on a screen, whether it be a laptop or a phone. So doing those things away from that, that have that sort of meditative practice attached to them, I think is is key. And there's so there's so many different ones out there to choose from. I think it's good, isn't it? People can explore those. Yeah, I think the key thing is to plan your week. I plan my week and kind of do a bit of an urgent, important matrix. So what is really important? What's the key things that's going to move my business forward rather than just sitting in a computer and doing work being busy so when do I do focused work when do I have the right energy to do that so generally making sure that's the first thing I do in the mornings so I can feel like I'm making some progression if I've got a project that I'm working towards that I want to do myself it's breaking that down into chunks really manageable chunks I think that's where people get really stuck on I suppose not for moving forward I see people that kind of either want to rebrand their business or they want to launch more retailers or they want to do a huge marketing campaign with brands and it just feels like such a big thing they don't know where to start so actually it's about how you break that down and make it into a list think of everything that you could possibly do within that because there's going to be a lot of different things even if it's just half an hour of research kind of add that into a list and then you can feel like you're kind of ticking things off every day which I think is helpful I also have very small notepad for each day so I then look each morning what am I going to do and I'm and the reason it's small is because it needs to be I want to finish it I don't want to just have yeah, a to-do list I love a list you end up finishing the day if you haven't done your to-do list feeling rubbish mm. so don't put too much on it because you're never going to finish it otherwise I witnessed a colleague in a co-working space that he would always have his written to-do list and then he'd move what he hadn't done onto the next page it's like surely that's double handling and if you kept a google doc with that list it would be more efficient that you could just delete or move down to the bottom when you've completed he's like no it's the act of writing it it really makes me consider if it needs to be on the list I thought oh actually that's quite that's quite wise as well and horses for courses isn't it everybody and doing that work Mm. on learning what makes you tick and how you operate it just 
it really sets you up. And what area would you say you've had to learn the most about in becoming your own boss? This is an interesting one, actually. Sales, which I think having been a buyer for so many years, I've been surrounded by salespeople and probably I'd say 80% were excellent because I never really thought about it being a sales relationship. But I probably had quite a few that weren't great, that didn't gel with my personality that I found quite hard. So I've found the word sales even to sound a little bit icky. Yeah, so that's something that I've realised. Actually, I know I can help so many people, but I'm I'm not getting myself out there or, or wide enough because I suppose I'm pulling away from that a little mm. bit. And ultimately, I can help people who need my support. So I suppose understanding that sales is serving people and, and how do you support those people? And if you don't tell them what you're doing, how... <laughs> How can you? And that's it. It's really difficult when you're wearing so many hats as a business owner. You're, you know, looking at the accounts, payroll, managing a team, potentially networking. And I hate that word. I would much rather call it dot connecting. But there's so many different parts of the business and some you're naturally attuned to and that you love. And there's other bits that are mandatory for you to have a business and sales is actually part of any business that's operating but it might just not be something you're naturally drawn towards how have you conquered that how have you sort of become better at it I mean it's interesting because then I I teach people sales so it's very easy to teach people what to do but it's very different to then looking at it in your own business as well because you have your blind spots and you kind of cover up things and it's very different I guess you're quite close yeah and I'm I'm teaching people how to sell a product which is again very different to to a service those are a, a business transformation in kind of a person or a business so it's investing time in learning and getting advice from people who are experts ultimately and that's yeah a coach that I <laughs> just confirmed working with this morning actually is, is going to be focused on sales because I realize it's it's one of my areas biggest areas for improvement and recognizing that obviously yeah comes with huge magnitudes as well <laughs> and yeah, yeah and that's same thing journey as well I should have done it a long time ago <laughs> but it's, again you're very very busy you've got so many things immediately needing your time and attention to some of the big stuff you can park for later and then suddenly it's been six months and you haven't tackled it it's I keep having I use the expression pulling myself out of the weeds and I'm working with a coach is fantastic for that and actually this podcast has been brilliant for that for me I always talk about it as my work therapy because hearing someone like you speak about this in my head I'm like right yeah okay I need to put that on top of my to-do list and I've just written down what are the key things that are going to move the business forward and do those first so it is just those conversations again isn't it it's just reaching out to people and, and having those conversations and are there any last golden nugget pieces of advice that you like to offer anyone starting a new business? Yeah, I think outsourcing is absolutely crucial. You are the visionary and the leader of your business if you're an entrepreneur and too many people, and I did as well, get stuck in the day-to-day being busy. And I mean, people say you're a busy fool, which is a bit extreme, but your business isn't moving forward if you're just in the business all the time. So how do you carve out more time to work on the business and the strategy and the vision? And you can start outsourcing with freelancers if it's just on a project or kind of, I've worked with paid interns before who are super talented, particularly for things like social media scheduling, kind of setting up things like podcasts or, yeah, you set the content strategy for your marketing, but get somebody else to schedule it and put it in and check it before it goes out. Copywriting, for example, is another great thing to outsource. So yeah, I've been kind of working with people probably for the last 
yeah, three or four years. And you can start doing that for, I suppose, as little, little as £100 a month, really, if you just got a, a paid intern. And again, a lot of these people if, if are digitally native. They're younger, they're a different generation, and it's much quicker for them to sometimes do some of those digital things. And you learn from them as well. The two heads are always better than one. And I, I just love having been self-employed for a while on my own. I was like, I really miss being part of a team. So having other people that you can work on things with that mm. are your side rather than client side, it, you know, it's nice to have people who've got your back, which always helps. The only other bit of advice is find your USP, find your gap in the market and make sure you're connecting with your customer emotively rather than just through facts. I suppose if there's any any brands out there or yeah, service-based businesses as well, really, really think about that elevator pitch, that one line. I do have a free guide to this on my website under the blog section. So go and check that one out. I've got lots of... Oh, yes. Yeah, I've got we'll lots of We'll leave a link to that in the show notes. Brilliant. Website. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, Riz. It's been wonderful to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. And it was lovely to share my story today. I have lots of free resources on my website from masterclasses, trend forecasts and guides for my blog as well so do go and check those out and do follow me on social media i'd love to connect with you and hear about what what your business is and how it's going if you'd like to contact Wiz, you can find all of her details in the show notes along with a recap of the advice that she has so kindly shared thank you for listening to how to start up i hope these conversations offer you some confidence encouragement and reassurance that you're on the right track If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd be so appreciative if you were to rate, review and subscribe as it will really help other people starting a company discover it.